Please be seated. Just a reminder of what we're doing Sunday mornings. We are going, we had originally planned to have a uh, drive in church for three Sundays um, and then to hopefully open up the sanctuary. We've opened up the sanctuary a little sooner than that. And so we're going to continue to have drive in service uh, and basically broadcast on FM uh, indefinitely, probably through the whole summer. And so those of you that are uh, more comfortable staying in, in your cars, being socially distanced, that's fine. We have social distancing here uh, as well in the sanctuary. Um, we believe, and I, I said this before as I communicated to all of you, I believe that, that uh, everybody has uh, wisdom and understanding, and you can make your own choices and, uh, and figure out what's best for you and your families. And so uh, we'll continue to do that. At some point in time, I anticipate more people will come on in, but we're just going to continue broadcasting. So if you're in the parking lot uh, listening on Drive-In Church, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, it's just, it's amazing how it feels to have this group of people in and outside this building that are unified as Eau Claire Wesleyan Church. The church is not this building, it's people. So anyway, good good to see and hear all of you this morning. So I did it my way. I Did It My Way was the title of a popular song in the 60s. That was the previous century, just in case you're wondering. I Did It My Way was an expression of of independence, individualism, and, of course, selfishness. Who would have thought a, a song expressing such a concept would become so popular? But today, of course, we would view such songs as benign and mild compared to the popular songs today. I did it my way could be the theme of America today. Independent, selfish, individualistic, my way, my truth, and my life. This philosophy sits well with postmodernism, and it can actually permeate the church as well. Today we are returning to Genesis. We left Genesis two months ago, actually. This is us, the beginning. Our series is This is Us, the Beginning. And we're, we're, we're going to look at a family, not a postmodern family, not a modern family, not even a pre-modern family, but an ancient family, an ancient family. Like today, there was no such thing as a perfect family, but this family seemed to start out so well until each person in the family decided to do it my way, doing it my way. Today, we're going to look at, I did it my way, and we're going to turn to Genesis 27, Genesis, the 27th chapter. If you're looking for it in the Bible in the, in the rack in front of you, it's on page 21. And so Genesis 27, we're going to read the first 13 verses, and then we're skipping around a little bit. So chapter 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man. And don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat 
so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man of smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. They manipulated circumstances to fool Isaac. So verse 27. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, and he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May the God give you of heaven's dew and a verse richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your firstborn son. He said, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? And this is his blessing found in verse 39 and following. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. When you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. You might ask the question, what in the world does this story have to do with us today? Sounds like a bad reality show, actually. Well, this story demonstrates how four people, four people all in the same family, chose willfully to do it my way, my way, my way instead of choosing God's way. Now, in spite of compromising ethics, in spite of the risk of relationship loss and alienation, in spite of disastrous consequences, even though the results are disastrous, tears the family apart, and alienates relationships, it's the worst story you can imagine for a family, somehow God, as we'll see, in his mercy, in his love, in his sovereignty, still seems to be able to cause it all to work out for his will and for everyone's best. But that's getting ahead of ourselves right now. I want us to look at the issue at hand, the cause of this conflict, the blessing, the blessing. The last message we looked at in Genesis, now over two months ago because of of the pandemic, we looked at something called birthright, birthright. And in this day and age, 
the age the birthright was given to the firstborn son. And in the Old Testament, the birthright included a double portion of the inheritance, leadership over the entire family, and gave title to the blessing that we read about today. The blessing. Now, Jacob had manipulated to get the birthright away from Esau. We saw that last time. In fact, Esau gave up his birthright for basically a bowl of stew or chowder or whatever. Chowder is good. It's not that good. I can say that. The birthright and blessing were to go together. So if you had the birthright, you were supposed to get the blessing and vice versa. They were to go hand in hand. And the son who received the blessing was to be the leader over the family. And in this case, a leader over the peoples or the entire nation that they became. This had the idea of a universal dominion over many. The, the blessing included, if you had the blessing, it included possession of the land, which is the land of Canaan, numerous increase in posterity, uh, a unique relationship with Yahweh, God. Okay? This was established with the blessing, and it had a unique process, a unique promise, I mean, a promise that everyone who blesses you will be blessed, and whoever curses you will be cursed. That, that's quite a promise. I, I, we'd probably all like that. Anyone who blesses me will be blessed. Anybody who curses me will be cursed. That was part of the blessing that God gave through Isaac to Jacob. It's a pretty awesome promise. So there was a lot at stake in the blessing. And this was a critical point in the family's life, the death of the father. Now, some of you may have seen families at similar stages in their lives where they loved each other. They all got along until... The parents passed away. And then there's this huge conflict over inheritance. And all of a sudden, there's division and manipulation and all kinds of stuff. I've seen it. Well, let's look at each of the four members of their family and their I did it my way actions. See what we can learn. These are four family members supposed to be united. It's the I did it my way actions. First one is Isaac, letter A. Now, Isaac started out good. Isaac started out really good. Abraham, his father, had had a huge and largely positive influence on him. Abraham, his father, was a a man of great faith. He demonstrated it by Isaac's experience of being nearly sacrificed. Those of you that remember that story. Isaac personally witnessed Abraham's faith, God's miraculous intervention at the last second possible, and then the provision of an alternative sacrifice. Now, most of us tell stories of remember when, you know, about our father uh, maybe hunting or camping or going to Packer games or special trips. And I I can imagine Isaac saying, hey, Dad, remember when you tried to sacrifice me? (laughs) He'd say, I don't want to hear about it, son. (laughs) You can imagine. But Isaac had experienced some incredible moments of faith with Abraham. Abraham would have impressed Isaac with the enormous responsibility to carry on the family, to obtain God's promises. Isaac had experienced the miracle of his wife, Rebekah. It wasn't an e-harmony experience. It was an arranged marriage. She was an imported bride, but God had made a great choice for him. Now, as a father of two daughters, I've always liked the idea of arranged marriages. My daughter's not so much. Isaac had a Rich heritage, he, he was a true man of God. In fact, it says in chapter 26, he planted crops, one, reaped 100-fold. God blessed him. It says, Isaac built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. This guy was, was a godly man. He was doing so well. 
But Isaac, Isaac had a weakness, had a weakness. And his weakness had to do with physical appetite. It was a physical appetite. In Genesis 25, 20, it says, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. Taste for game. That wasn't lotto or something like that. Taste for game. He liked the taste of wild animals over domestic, grazing, boring, grain-fed cattle. That's what he wanted. He liked venison, wild turkey perhaps, salmon versus farmed, you know, wild, you know, whatever it was. But he liked, he liked wild animals. And since Esau was a hunter, Isaac liked Esau best. Okay? How many of you can taste the difference between venison and uh, just regular old steak? Just wanted to make sure. Okay. How about farmed salmon versus wild salmon? Okay, yeah. There, there is a difference. And so, so this was his weakness, his weakness. And because of his palate, basically because of his stomach, because of what Esau could do for him, Esau was his favorite. Esau was his favorite. Isaac played favorites, favorites. Now, growing up, when I was growing up, I had two older brothers, and the old, my oldest brother always introduced himself as the favorite son of our parents. Now, it was a joke. I knew it wasn't true because I knew I was the favorite, but that, that was a whole other thing. Well, Isaac and Rebekah were spiritual people. God appeared to them, spoke to them. Isaac prayed that God would give Rebekah a child. God answered. God spoke to them, telling that the older was going to serve the younger. Now, it's not recorded that Isaac knew Esau had sold his birthright to Jacob, but he knew that God had told him Jacob would receive the blessing. But because of his favoritism, because of his favoritism of Esau over Jacob, he rebelled against God and he said, I'm doing this my way. It's going to be my way. See, the blessing was never a matter of subjective human affection, but it was a right entrusted by God's grace to bless the one whom God chose. Now, we don't understand why all this happened this way, but we know that God had chosen Jacob, to be the blessing. God's way, not my way. Isaac now, of course, I, be, I believe Isaac bears a, the brunt of the responsibility. Why? Because Isaac is the father. He's the head of the household. He's the leader, the patriarch, the one who sets the example. Now, by saying that, we're not letting any of the family off the hook, but if Isaac had not chosen to rebel against God, had, had obeyed God's word, none of all of this would have happened. Now, I think about that in, in terms of fathers and husbands, fathers and husbands. We, as fathers and husbands, have a tremendous responsibility as God's designated leader of our marriage and our family. And our actions of either obedience to God or rebellion against God have profound impact on our spouse and children. And I'd say this to men here. Our actions will carry far into the future. And the question I ask all of us, I ask of me, what is the impact of my leadership on my family? What is the impact of our leadership on our families? Do I say my way or do I say it's God's way? Let me give you a, an example in this something. This last, this last week, Tucker Carlson, on a show of the same name on Fox News, made this observation. He was talking about the governors and city mayors he said, of all of the governors and city mayors who are being incredibly dictatorial 
and heavy-handed in imposing strict controls on their people without regard for the Constitution have one thing in common. None of them had a father in their life growing up. His research, his words, not mine. He just, he just threw out something that I just said, wow, an amazing thing. Now, I don't, I don't pr- pretend to know all of those things. Now, um, just, just so we, and, and let's talk about something for just a minute. Um, I've been asked, where do you get your news? Okay, people have asked me that. Where do you get your news? Um, and I just want you to know, when I, I, I get most of my news from the Internet on my computer. Most of the news I read, I, I, I read widely. On my desk, desktop, you will find uh, WEAU, which is local news, Wisconsin and, and uh, uh, Eau Claire, largely. Um, there's, a, there's another station, KOMO, which is a northwest local station, keeping in touch with the, with the west coast. I have on my desktop, I have MSNBC, and I have Fox News. Now, one of the things I find is it's, it's very... Uh, conflictual for a lot of people, and they find out you listen to or get news from a different source than they get. Because, and the thing that we have to be bear in mind is that we need to distinguish between news and commentary. Okay, just please, just just say it. Okay, because people say you listen to this or you you listen to CNN, you listen, and they they immediately judge you. Well, there is news and there's commentary, and the problem we have in the media today is that. They mix it all up, and they don't tell you. And that's, you know, that's a whole other story. We can't control that. We need to be wise in where we receive our news. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll read something on one, one source and another source, and I'm going, is that the same story? It's like, it's like they're so different. Or they leave out words like alleged. It's an alleged crime or alleged this or that instead. Or, or they just leave out part of the story altogether to get their slant. And... and it's our tendency in all of us because we want to be right. But that's just so you know. And, and also, just, just addressing the, the issue that we're facing with the protests. The protests initially that we saw in the cities all around America were initially about the death of a black man at the hands of a white police officer. The riots are about anarchy and violence, and most of them are paid rioters. They, they import them from all over the place. And so what we see is not true news. And I wish, I wish the, the news would report it as, as you get some of that. But let me just say this, because a lot of people are upset because it seems like our whole country is aflame. It's, it's not. If you remember the 1960s, demonstrations and all the stuff, all the stuff that was going on back then, um, you can remember the, the Kent uh, campus shooting at Kent, uh, Kent State. You can look at the... Um, uh, all of the, the Rodney King riots, all those other things. It, it has to do with, with anarchy and has nothing to do with race. Do we have racism in America? Absolutely. And I, I trust we don't have that issue here. But the cause is not racism. The cause is an attempt to subjugate and overthrow our form of government. That's, that's basically what it's about. Um, I, I go into it more, but I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But um, in the middle of that, please, please, uh, pray for peace. Don't get upset. This, too, will pass. This will pass. There are people in this country and people from outside this country trying to destroy our way of life. And so we're going to see this. We saw it 
Those of you that remember back in the 60s, go, yeah, this too passed, and we, yeah, we'll get through this. Um, pray for those that are trying for racial reconciliation. Pray for those things. Everybody is on the same page for that. Anarchy and riots, no. It's not the same thing. But anyway, that's, that's not even in my notes. I'm, I wrote that. So. Anyway, okay. The impact of fathers growing up. Men, what should our priorities be? Our priorities must be God's priorities. Priority one, our relationship with God. Our spouse and children will have a difficult time growing past where we are and where we live in our prayer life, in our daily devotions, whether we listen to the Bible on CD or podcast, involved in ministry. They will not grow past where we are. It's up to us. This has nothing to do with just organized church, but everything to do with engagement in our spiritual life with believers and reaching our community. Priority two, relationship with your wife and children. Everything we must do, we do must be looked at with the first two priorities, God and our wife and children. Number three priority, a job and career. We're called to provide for our families, not for self-fulfillment. And it's great if we love our job. I do. But it's not about us. We are to love our wife and our children. Love our wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Ephesians 5.26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we have a relationship with God, relationship with family, job or career, and then we have the church, the body of believers. This is our connection to the greater community. And the question is, is it my way or is it God's way? Where, where are my affections? Where are my priorities? See, that's where Isaac went wrong. Favoritism, wrong priority, priorities and selfishness, my way. Then there's Rebecca. We'll find villains in every part of this story. Rebecca. What about Rebecca? Rebecca had taken a great leap of faith to leave her family and follow Abraham's servant to a strange land to marry Isaac. If you want to look back at that story, look back in Genesis. She left to marry him. Uh, she had never met him before, and she, but she believed it was God leading her, so she went to marry him. Now, marriage to any man is a step of faith. But when you don't, haven't met the person, I mean, it's kind of, kind of a risk. But she went. Now, she knew he was rich, had money, so that, I'm sure that helped. But um, that's, it's not, money isn't everything, okay? Money doesn't buy happiness. Money just gives you more options to choose your misery. That's, that's my philosophy. But Rebecca, when you look at her life, she was a woman of faith. She was really a woman of faith who really wanted to follow God. She asked God about the meaning. There was a struggle in her womb between twin babies, and she said, God, what does this mean? God probably said, you don't want to know. But he told her anyway. He told her. Rebecca had demonstrated faith in the past, but because of her favoritism toward Jacob, because of her favoritism toward Jacob, she was blinded. Instead of having faith that God could work out his will, she decides to help him and take things into her own hands. I know we never do that. She decides to do it her way. It's her way. Now, the question is, when you look at this passage, I, I ask the question, could God have given the blessing to Jacob in another way? I, I, I think so, but no one gave God a chance. Okay? They were all too busy doing things my way. How many times have you decided that God needed help? God needed your help. I'm going to help God out because I've got this plan. I, I know how it should work out. And when we're busy manipulating and scheming, trying to figure out how we can get God's work done for him, we don't leave any room for faith. 
No room for God to work things out. Are you doing anything right now to manipulate people or circumstances? Confession, good for the soul. In essence, Rebecca was in rebellion against her husband Isaac and ultimately against God. Against God. And I, I know there are, there are wives who have schemed and manipulated against their husbands, in essence, failing to submit them to them in rebellion against them and actually in rebellion against the Lord. We read Ephesians 5.25 earlier about the challenge, men, love your wives. Earlier, 22 and 23 of Ephesians 5 says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, I have a whole sermon that expo, expose on that particular verse and, and everything. We don't have time to go into it. But suffice it to say that um, the Bible is a weapon likened to a sword. Don't use it against your spouse. Don't use it against your spouse. Husbands, our li- wife will have no trouble submitting if we are loving her as we should. Husbands, love. Wives, says, submit. And you can follow the philosophy of the, the movie, The Big Fat Greek Wedding. Some of you remember this. The, the wife said, my husband is the head, but I am the neck. I turn him whatever way I want. How many of you saw that movie? Okay. That was my favorite line in the whole, whole movie. And Judy loved that line, too, so. Command to love is to husband submit to wives. And we need to do what God tells us, not what we want to do. My way or God's way? Rebecca, sometimes good intention. Now there's Jacob, let her see. Jacob wasn't innocent either. Jacob had already manipulated Esau into selling him his birthright. Now he goes along with this deception by plotting with his mothers. His actions are a lie. Being involved in a deception or a lie requires further lying. Verse 20 says, How did you find it so quickly, my son? And then he lied and says, Lord, your God gave me success. Whatever you do, don't bring God into your lies. <laughs> it's dangerous. Dangerous thing to do. It's a classic example, actually, of spiritualizing. Participation is just as bad as initiation. And lying is more than verbal. It's non-truths. It can act it out. We can live a lie. We can live one thing while believing another thing. It's called hypocrisy. So Jacob... And then there was Esau, letter D. In chapter 25, Esau swore to Jacob with an oath to sell his birthright, knowing that the birthright and the blessing went together. So by agreeing with Isaac, his father, who said, go out and get game and do this, and get food, and then receive the blessing, Esau broke his oath to Jacob. Serious issue. Now, all four characters demonstrate, all four characters demonstrate the truth of Isaiah 53, 6, which says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Human nature, human nature. No matter how great we do, no matter how well we start out, no matter where we are, there's still this tendency to go our own way. My way, my way. That's a bleak picture with bleak consequences. So let's look at the consequences. 
My way consequences, letter A for Isaac. Isaac was punished because he was totally fooled and humiliated. He was punished for his preference of Esau in opposition to the revealed will of God. Was deceived by his earthly, his earthly senses. Ultimately, he saw what had happened was of God. Rebecca, when you look at what happened to Rebecca, Rebecca was punished by Jacob's exile. Jacob left. She would never see her beloved son again. She actually lost both sons. My way. Jacob was forced into exile. He left his family. and He lived in fear for years of Esau. And then Esau was punished for selling his birthright, the loss of his blessing. His blessing from Isaac was not a blessing at all, but a modified curse. He experienced unforgiveness, bitterness, and hatred. These are all consequences of my way. This family that began in unity and harmony is now broken apart by my way actions, actions of the family. Stuart Briscoe writes, families are intended to support each other, not scheme against each other. Loving is the key word, not lying. Members of a family learn to complement rather than compete. See, it's tough to be in a family. It's tough to be in a family. It's interesting that during this time, we've had our two daughters now grown, staying with us for an extended period of time. And we're talking about a lot of things from past and childhood and all those other things. And we're, we're discovering things that happened and things that were said and experiences they had within the context of our family. You know, and people say, oh, you guys got this great family. Yeah, got, we have a great family, but, but there's, there is stuff in every family when you look at that because we are human beings and we do things my way sometimes. See, it's, it's relationships. Relationships reveal our weakness, but it also gives us a chance to change. That's why marriage is the development of our character. It's relationship. Okay, let's look at my way lessons very quickly. Number three. Letter A. The end never justifies the means. The end never justifies the means. No matter how noble the end was for Rebecca, Jacob, Esau, and, and Isaac, no matter how right the end it did not justify the means. Never does it. Number two, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. What goes around comes around. We think we're isolated. What I do does not affect anyone else, but what we do profoundly affects others and returns to us. We reap what we sow. Let her see. Relationships are the most important. What's the most important? People. Family and friends. And ultimately, God. Relationships are the most important. And lesson number four is the encouragement. In spite of sin, God still has his way. He still has his way. In spite of the scheming, manipulation, carnality, lack of faith, lack of trust, the I did it my way actions, God still has his way. He always has the final word. The prophecy that was given in Genesis 25 still came true. So God incorporated sovereignly the most ambiguous human acts, and he incorporated it into his plan. How does God do that? How does he do that? In spite of every effort to do things my way, God always turns it into his way. And through these four characters, the human, fallible, and selfish, God still worked out a way for their descendants to birth a nation. When you look at what happened, they birthed a nation. 
they had a land called Israel. They birthed a Messiah, Jesus, who would be the salvation for all mankind, including us. See, this is us. This goes way back. This impacts us today. This story goes all the way back, but it affects us today. I did it my way, turned into God's way. In our personal lives, we, in our individualism, independence and selfishness, sometimes choose my way. But God is still in control. That's why Paul wrote this verse, and I count on this many, many times, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He causes all things to work together for good, even when we take our my way plans. But do we want to avoid the pain and suffering, the conflict and consequences of I did it my way? Then he calls on us to do it God's way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have a practical example of a family that seems really solid and good and, and they just messed it up. But you took all of those things and you put together your plan regardless. And I pray, Lord, as we look at that, even in our family, our microcosm of family and relationships, our marriages and families, and also as a nation and as a city and a, a state, that you are going to work all things together for good. I pray that you give us a positive, optimistic outlook as we move forward as, a, as, a, as families, as a church, as, as a city, as a county. And God, that we would realize that you ultimately are in control. And by faith, we submit to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name.